0: Good morning. Good morning. My name is Joshua. I'm the pastor here at Ethos HV, and this is your first time here. I'm so honored that you chose to spend some time with us this morning. And uh, if no one went out of their way to make you feel welcome, um, welcome. So glad you're here. Um, Last week, we kicked off a series in Philippians. If you were not here last week, um, ethos hv or ethos hillsborough village has a podcast on apple and spotify it'd probably be a good one to go listen to um, i taught i don't think it was like that great of a sermon but hopefully it was helpful in that we gave a lot of historical context we talked a lot about the author of philippians the guy named paul gave a lot of his backstory talked about the philippian church and their backstory um, and all of that i think will help provide color to the rest of this series uh, if that makes sense so Check out uh, Ethos Hillsboro Village. Check out that sermon, Spotify, Apple, whatever. Okay, Um, I wanna jump right in. Are you guys ready to lean in this morning? I don't have like a funny story to kick us off or anything, so I need y'all just to turn on your brains, lean in, take notes, pay attention to what the Holy Spirit might be stirring in your heart. God's gonna be active and on the move this morning, okay? And so um, we're gonna be in Philippians chapter one, and we're gonna be reading verses one through six And Paul is going to to really set the stage for us this morning. We're going to tap into three different themes that Paul has in these first six verses. And for the rest of our time, in the letter of Philippians, you can hold on to these three themes because they're going to keep showing up over and over and over again. Okay, in a simple like sentence, that's gonna mark this sermon, and really it's gonna mark the whole letter of Philippians, is Paul is a servant of Christ writing to the saints of Christ anticipating the day of Christ. Those three things right there are gonna mark the whole letter. If you know these three things, they will really help you understand what's going on in this whole letter, okay? So Paul is a servant of Christ writing to the saints of Christ Anticipating the day of Christ. And so we're going to read Philippians 1, 1 through 6. Would anybody be willing to read Philippians 1, 1 through 6 out loud for us for the church this morning? In fact, I'm asking that that happens. <laughs> if it's not, yeah, hit me. It really project. Let us hear it. Okay. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints of Christ Jesus who are filled to the over. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God and all my reverence of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all being my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership and the gospel from the first day till now, and I am sure of this that each who began good working you will bring it out completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Thank you, brother. Alright, so let's dig into this passage. Um, Man, there's a lot of power packed into this. It's so good. So I wanna start with how Paul addresses himself to start this letter, okay? So he's like, what up? Paul and Timothy here, (laughs) servants of Christ. And I want you to think about like when you first introduce yourself to somebody, you know, how does that conversation typically go? I'm Joshua, what's your name? And then what's like the next question? Like, what do you do? Where are you from? You know, and maybe if you're like a, you know, this is Nashville. So if you're like in a networking circle and you're trying to be a genuine person, but also the person you're talking to, like you're also trying to like let them know like there's real sauce on your name. Like, hey, I'm so-and-so, you know, I, I work for this label. Oh, you've heard of it? No way. Yeah, that's who I work for. That's where I'm at, you know. Um, oh, yeah, no, I don't do much. I just mix two songs for this artist. Oh, you've heard of them? They went platinum? Yeah, you know, I mix it. It's not a big thing. I'm nobody, I'm nobody, you know? You try to sneak in those like things that kind of help your name be a little highly esteemed in a sense. That's what Paul's doing here. He's giving you the best thing about him right off the bat. He goes, what's up? It's Paul. I'm a servant of Christ. That's who I am. This is what marks Paul. I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. And And I wanna dig into this word And bear with me, because this thing gets so beautiful. I looked into this word, servant. And if we're being honest, the most accurate translation for this word at the time it was written was slave. Okay, so that could be voluntary or involuntary, literal or figurative, but it's important we understand because of our context in the United States, a better word for our brains to better understand what he's saying is probably servant, And the reason being because slavery in America and the intense racism that followed was like just the ways of hell having their way. And it's probably not the most fair shade to put on the word Paul's trying to use here. Does that make sense? Um, And so I'm trying to like help us navigate that a little bit. We'll struggle forever to comprehend how like being a servant or a slave in this day, that there could possibly be like a healthy version of it on some level, um, and I'm not very good at this stuff, so I don't even know how to explain it more than that. So what you need to know is as much as, as much as one-third of the Roman population were slaves, one-third! That is so insane. And it was common for freeborn citizens to work their nine-to-five right alongside of slaves. Like, that's how integrated this was in Roman society. And under Roman law, a slave or a servant was considered property. So our American context actually can probably understand this a little more clearly. Slaves had no rights and they could be killed with impunity by their owners. So that's really intense, right? Under Mosaic law, there were also slaves, but there was a more relational element. It was not uncommon for those in position of slave or or servant to keep their entire family voluntarily in that position with their master because it was a beneficial dynamic that offered protection and provision. So that's why I go, look, it's literally translated slave, but probably more appropriately for our brains, servant, because there was some free will at work in the Jewish context. And in Paul's day, it was not uncommon for Jews to also have servants. We're gonna keep digging in here. It gets really good. There's a reason we're doing all this, all right. You know who uses the word servant a lot? Jesus. If you turn to Matthew, you don't have to turn there right now, but if you went to Matthew chapter 10 and read through Matthew chapter 26, Jesus uses the word servant 29 times, mostly in parables. And a lot of times the parables were about the return of Jesus, his second coming, more on that later. The Bible uses this word a lot. It often uses the word servant to describe people as servants of God, okay? So think about Abraham, Joshua, David, Isaiah. They're all called servants of the Lord, heroes of the faith, servants of God. There's a prophecy in Isaiah 53, verse 11, that refers to Jesus, the coming Messiah, as God's servant, okay? Other uses, in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, An angel shows up to a woman named Mary, tells her that although she's a virgin, she's about to be pregnant with the savior of the world. It's chill. And Mary responds, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. In Luke chapter two, there's a man named Simeon, a righteous man who the Holy Spirit told, before you draw your last breath, you're gonna see the Messiah in the flesh. And in the temple, he sees baby Jesus. Just picture Jesus, baby. (laughs) It's so, anyway, he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, that's us, shout out, and for glory to your people. So this is not to suggest that like the system um, of like slavery or servanthood was like applied or even encouraged. It's just the context we're in. But if you want to know Paul's like truest like stance on this, you can go to Philemon. It's a letter to his guy Philemon, and he talks about his friend Onesimus, who is actually a bond servant, a servant, a slave to Philemon. And he actually renegotiates the terms between Philemon and, um, I never know how to say his name, I I wrote it out, Uh, Onesimus. He says, hey, I'm sending Onesimus back to you and if you could do me the biggest favor, don't receive him back as a bondservant, rather as a beloved brother. Please treat him how you would treat me. Further evidence about Paul, Galatians 3.28, he says, there is no longer Jew or Greek nor slave, nor free. There is no male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. So Paul establishes, there is no hierarchy in the kingdom of heaven. We all stand on level ground. That is a firm foundation that we could call the grace of God. We all stand on the level playing field of the grace of God. Now, here's where it gets sick. In a gospel world, that is so often upside down, juxtaposed to culture. We hear slavery and serve it and immediately we want distance from that word. Jesus says, y'all ready? Mark nine 35, y'all ready? Are y'all ready? I'm not gonna ask again, but I wanted to because no one's responding. He said, it says, the disciples came to Capernaum and when he was in the house, he asked them, hey, what were you talking about on the way? But they kept silent. For on the way, they were arguing with each other about who was the greatest. And Jesus sat down and he called the 12 closer to him. He's like, hey, come here. And he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Christ goes, let me tell you what it means to be a child of God. Let me tell you how we operate in this world. In a culture of the rat race, whether it's for more money, more power, more popularity, more influence, more of my way, more of my preferences at your expense, ironically, that race is slavery itself. Christ sends us in the opposite direction. We do not join the rat race. The posture of the believer is one that humbly and willingly loves and serves those around them. He goes, "Don't who's the greatest? don't you're not playing that game. You want to be the greatest? You get low. And what's so beautiful about Christ is he's not just a master telling servants how to behave. He's the master that becomes the servant. He loves the downtrodden and the outcasted and the religious and the wealthy, just to make sure he steps on every toe in this room. He washes feet. He takes the cross. And so we respond by imitating our master who became a servant. Why? Because we are servants of Christ. That's our invitation, to be servants of Christ. Paul, Timothy, James, Peter, Jude, they all describe themselves this way. In a society with such broken versions of slavery and servanthood, they're like, hey, but we are servants though of Christ Jesus, in this beautiful turn of events, the idea of servanthood is completely redeemed in our relationship with Christ. Like, rather than a stigma of undesired, mandatory, abusive obedience, Paul is honored to volunteer as a servant to Christ. Like, as we read through Philippians, you are reading the words of a man who is ecstatic to be a servant to Jesus. He's ecstatic for you to forget his name and never forget the name of Jesus. He's ecstatic to go, Jesus, whatever you say, it's yes. All in. If no one will go, send me. I'm in culture does not shape who I become, you shape who I become. I shape culture. And this is one of our invitations in Philippians, to posture ourselves as servants to the master Jesus, trusted with the daily duties of let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We don't sit in this place or come before God as equals with God, but instead as children that go, God, what would you have me do today? Because whatever it is, it's yes. Whatever you say, I do it. That's the relationship. And this position to be able to utter the words, I'm a servant of Christ, is a position of honor. I was reminded of the words of John the Baptist where he says, After me comes someone who is so much mightier than myself. I tell you, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. I baptize with water, but the one coming after me, he baptizes with the Holy Spirit of God. This posture knowing that you're a servant of the Most High, if you've ever been wowed and amazed by Paul, his faith, how bold he is, how full of truth he is, how mighty he is, it starts right here. When he sits before God, he sits before a heavenly father as a son, but also before before a holy king as a servant. It's that posture that produces this life that produces the fruits of the spirit that is Paul. So that's our invitation as we read Philippians, to take on our identity as servants of God. Secondly, he says, to the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. He calls them saints. This is really what a church is. What's a church? A church is a group of saints that live life together. That's what it is. We do life together, okay? I looked up what saints means. The word saint can be translated very simply, holy. This is cool, didn't know this. Whenever you read Holy Spirit in the New Testament, same word, holy and Holy Spirit, saint, holy. Which means we're being invited into a really beautiful piece of identity if you listen. As saints of Christ, we are holy as the Holy Spirit is holy. That's a whole vibe. In a generation starving for identity, let's start here. If Jesus is your Lord, you are holy, blameless, undefiled, covered in the blood and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's who you are. That wasn't my idea. You'll be tempted to think it was your idea. It wasn't God's idea. So we can claim it. It wasn't our idea. I didn't make this up. We are holy as the Holy Spirit is holy. And I wanna talk for a few moments about Paul's like, relationship with the Philippians And as I talk through it, I want you to think about this church, not you an individual in this church, this church as a collective, because there's some serious church goals coming up. Okay, here we go. You guys still here? All right. Some key elements. He says, I thank my God always in remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. I want to start with a simple concept. Paul remembers them because they have memories together. You know? Blowing your mind today. They have memories together. Why? Because they have a shared story. Why? Because they spent time together they did ministry, are you hearing me? They did ministry together. They went beyond circling up and discussing the sermon, right? Like these people have opened up their homes together. They've walked through real life together, like the mountaintops and the valleys. They've been through it. They got a real story And so for the rest of this letter, you have to understand the reason Paul can pin the words the way he pins them is because they have a love for each other that's been forged over a period of time with real life experiences. If you want an awesome church, you got to make memories. You got to spend time. You got to invest. And there's two ways. I want to invite you to do that this morning. And if you don't take notes, take notes on these two things. First, Paul prays for the church of Philippi. You read this phrase, always in every prayer of mine, and immediately you get this feeling of, Paul must be praying for the church of Philippians like a lot, a lot, like kind of aggressive, like chill out, like they're good, God's got them, you know? But you get this sense that every time Paul's praying, he's thinking about his brothers and sisters in the faith at Philippi, whether he's with them in person or abroad, and this is our invitation. Ethos HV, I'm asking you, if this is not already on your radar, I am officially asking you as your pastor, as the shepherd of this flock, pray for Ethos HV. Pray for this family. I don't know what to credit it to, maybe it's because we grew up in an independent, individualized culture, but I did not grow up instinctively thinking, I need to be praying for my church. That God is having his way in our church. That God is seeking and saving the lost through the people of our church. That God is reaching the outsider, the oppressed, the silenced through our church that he's visiting the widow and the sick and the prisoner through our church. That's what's on the table. And so I charge you, didn't think I'd ever say that in my life, but I charge you, pray for this church. This church is called the body of Christ. Let this marinate. What did Christ do to the world? How did Christ walk and talk? What did a room feel like when Christ entered into it? We are the body of Christ. How precious is Jesus? How perfect is Jesus? How powerful is Jesus? How unmistakably God is Jesus? We're the body of Jesus. And so I wanna invite you, pray. Pray for salvation in this church and pray that you would play your role in this church. God, how can I help this body be more like Jesus Christ? Help me to do that. Pray for your brothers and sisters in this church. What do I pray about? Well, you might need to start getting to know them and asking them questions to figure that answer out. A simple start. Hey, what's your name? Anything I can pray for you about? Bingo, look at there. Pray for each other. If you wanna know where to start, great place to start. Pray prayers of thanksgiving for specific individuals in this church for specific reasons. If you wanna start falling in love with this church and growing in buy-in and empathy and vision and this sense of belonging that we're all craving, we wanna feel like we belong I promise you, you start praying prayers of thanksgiving for specific individuals in this church, you will just magically feel like you belong at HV Moore. And get specific. God, thank you for her. She's a teacher, she teaches in middle school. She is shaping the minds and hearts of kids. Thank you, God. Bless her this week. Lead her by your Holy Spirit. God, thank you for him. He's so encouraging. Every time I see him, he's smiling and laughing and dapping me up and calling me a dog. What's up, dog? I'm talking about, it's literally you, Taylor. Uh, I I didn't even mean to do that. It wasn't in the sermon notes, but that's my dog, boy. Like, yeah. Thank you for Taylor. He hikes me up, for real. Thank you, God. Father, thank you for her. Every time I see her, she's like volunteering. Man, she makes me wanna volunteer. God, will you just bless her? Let her know she's loved. Let's start praying for each other. Prayers of thanksgiving, sharing burdens together. Thank you for those parents and their kids. I know not the first thing about being a parent, God. Thank you for them, bless them as they parent their kids every day of the week. If I can be a blessing to them, Holy Spirit, show me how. Does this make sense what I'm saying to you? This is for you. We get better like this. All right, number two. This word partnership, Paul says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, church goals right here. A church is a family of partners in the gospel. What does partnership mean? Literally, participation. A church is a group of people participating, not observing, not being inspired by, but participating in the gospel. Thank you, Gentry. Acts chapter two is the birth of the church, and it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Fellowship means partnership, participation. They devoted themselves to participating in gospel life together. Shared beliefs, shared commitments, shared goals. And as a family of believers, they sought to see the gospel of Jesus made manifest in every man, woman, boy, and girl. Ethos, HV, squad, family, I love you. It is time for us to write a shared story together. More, more than we're just friends, We are partners in the gospel, helping each other make so much of Jesus. It is not a bonus or sprinkles on top. Whenever you help your brother and sister make disciples, it is the foundation this church is to be built upon that we look at each other and we spur each other on to make disciples, to be lights in a dark world, to be a city on a hill, to be light in the darkness. That's us. You are partners with me in the gospel and it is your responsibility. It's not a bonus ask. It's not a bonus question. It is our responsibility to partner together. And as we read Philippians, you'll make no mistake about it, Paul's writing a letter to his partners and they're on the same page. Christ lifted at the highest, ultimate. All of this is for Christ and all of this is so everyone in our community will come to know Christ. That's like, that's our only agenda for our life. God, in Jesus' name, grow us, mature us, raise up partners in the gospel in this local body where it is our collective honor and responsibility to lead people to Christ, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in Nashville. You don't need a nonprofit. You don't need me to come up with an idea. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High Go be a light. Let's hold each other responsible, not in a legalistic sense, in the fact that we are sons and daughters of King Jesus. We are partners. I'm gonna help you be more like Jesus. If that offends you, take it up with Jesus. Help me be more like Jesus. If it offends me, I need to take it up with Jesus. And it's not your fault. You didn't write it. Partners, is this hidden? I probably needed a funny story somewhere in here, but I don't have one. Just help lighten the mood. Why is Paul doing this? What is Paul's motivation? What is the gas in Paul's tank? What keeps him going? Why is he like serving to Jesus, to the saints of Jesus? He's so intense. What fuels Paul? is his anticipation for the day of Christ. That's what's got him all fired up. Just count how many times it's like of Christ, in Christ, day of Christ, see Christ. He's talking about Christ all the time in Philippians. (laughs) He who began a good work in you will complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. What does this mean? The day Christ returns, new heaven, new earth. We're gonna dig into this later. I'm gonna stay pretty surface level with this verbiage right now. But in other words, Paul understands something. And it's not like, it's not like he, he just believes it. It's just like it is reality for him. Everything he's saying to the Philippians, and you'll catch this as you read this letter, you can just tell on the forefront of his mind, Paul knows for a fact he is gonna stand before physical Jesus. They're going to talk. (laughs) Like, Paul's like, no, 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 no. I already met him once. I'm gonna see him again. And you're gonna be there. Jesus describes himself, the way, the truth, and the life. We will all stand before the way. (laughs) We will make eye contact with the truth. Paul goes, when we stand before him, okay? In Paul's mind, you can just tell, I'm gonna be aware of how I spent my life, of every decision, of every motivation, of all, everything I did. And he's talking, he's like, Philippians, we're gonna be there. We're gonna stand before him. He's gonna be right there, the one that has saved our soul. Oh my gosh. And, and all of culture and all of right now, it's all gonna be done away with. And we're gonna look back in our whole life with like a blink of an eye the minute we see Jesus. And we're gonna be looking face-to-face face into the truth for all of eternity. And when I'm there, when the phones and the jobs and the goals and all when all of it's gone, it turns to ash and all we have is Christ, when I'm there, I don't wanna be ashamed. I wanna look at Jesus and go, Ooh, this was worth it oh, it was worth it. All that time stressing about a budget and putting it into your hands, worth it. Hopping out of the rat race, worth it. Being cool, worth it. Or not being cool. Well, I don't know. Depends on where you are. It feels cool right now. Everything, when I, when I stayed up extra late with that friend, when I, when I went to that neighborhood by myself because no one wanted to come with me, when I witnessed to that lost person, and it was so freaking awkward, worth it. If it meant they got a shot to see this, worth it. And he's like, Philippian church, we're gonna stand before Christ. We'd be lunatics for this not to be on the forefront of our mind. Otherwise, we're just super weird, If you call yourself a Christian and the day of Christ is not on the forefront of your mind, we're being weird. You don't get this without the hope and the promise that we will stand before a perfect Jesus and take account for how we spent our time and how we love the people around us. It is as much the gospel as the cross. The day of Christ is what keeps Paul Riding this way. He's not in chains singing hymns just because he's super resilient. He's gonna see Christ. He's sitting there singing hymns going, maybe today's the day. All right, well, I'm gonna show up singing. He has such a vision that this life is not the only life and that the greatest life is the life to come. And that truth is so deep within his heart, it has access to every decision he's making. This is critical for us. We live in a a culture that has this gravitational pull. It drowns us into ideologies outside of scripture. If we're going to be a city on a hill, a light in the darkness, we need God to bury this truth deep within us. Jesus, we will see you one day. And on that day, our hope will be that we spent all of our life on earth making great the name of Jesus, helping people who do not know God know the Lord. We're gonna to transition to communion. <laughs> A lot of that wasn't in the paper, in the notes, all right. We're going to go to communion, and and I want to spend the first three or four minutes reflecting on these words individually, and then we'll spend around six or seven minutes actually circling up and and, and discussing a specific question. So I want to help us think about these words, the servant of Christ. I forgot what the words even are. Go to the next slide. Uh, So to the saints of Christ, anticipating the day of Christ. So for the next three to four minutes... I wanna invite you to wrestle with these questions and, and just with the Lord, process them. What does it mean? What does it mean to you to be called as servant of Christ and make this personal? Really think about this in your context. What's the significance of knowing that our church has an identity as saints? Why is it important that we understand we are saints? When you consider standing before Jesus at the end of your life, how does it make you want to live today? That's a big one. You don't have time, spoiler alert, to get all these done. If you want to take a picture and make it a part of your quiet time today or tomorrow, it's a really good idea because if you let these marinate, the Holy Spirit will start doing some stuff in your heart for your life. But take the next four or five minutes, think on these questions, then we're going to circle up and focus on one of the questions. I've got time. Don't worry about time. Don't worry about your neighbor. Don't worry about lunch. Don't worry about what's coming later today. Sit with God. Really let him have access to your heart as you wrestle with these questions. In every other row on the inside chair, there are these little bowls like this. They got communion in them. If you guys want to take one and pass it down. And then after you have one, someone say, I thought someone just hollered at me. I was like, what? What's the secret? (laughs) Um, After you grab communion, circle up with three or four people around you. And I I want to ask that you speak on number two and number four. So just share together, why is it significant that we understand we're a local body of saints? Why is this important? Why is it important that when you come through these doors you understand you're surrounded by saints and that we're a local church, the body of Christ? So just share that together. Some of these answers are gonna be pretty obvious. Speak them out loud, power in that. And then once everyone's shared, pray for our church. It can be one person, it can be all of you, but just come before the Lord and pray for our church family. I can't think of many prayers that would honor the Lord more than us going to him and praying that a church would be more like Jesus. I just think he's gonna answer that prayer 10 out of 10 times. And so let's go ahead and do it. Circle up, groups of three or four. Introduce yourselves quickly if you don't know someone in your circle and get to the good stuff. We'll do this for about seven minutes. If you're uncomfortable doing this, of course you do not have to, of course. If you see someone on their own, invite them into your circle, invite them in. If you haven't had a chance yet to to pray, go ahead and make your way toward the prayer. Someone just captain that, pray for our church. All right. I'm gonna invite you back to the front. I'm gonna say a prayer. Yeah, take communion whenever, yeah. Yeah, if you haven't taken communion yet, go ahead and take it. I like this. It's really hard to get everyone to like come back to me, it's great. I have to go, like, grade teacher on you. (laughs) All right, come back. Come back to me. I know. Do it over brunch. Do it over brunch. Am I right? Let's take this deeper. Um, I'm going to ask us to do something a little vulnerable. You're like, we just did something vulnerable. Well, round two. Um, Let's go ahead and stand. And if you are okay doing this, will you just grab the hand of the person next to you? And if you're not, just be like, hey, just pretend. (laughs) This is who we are. We are a, a family that is genuinely tied together in Christ. Father, Grow our investment in making this the family that we already are. Will you help us, God, to love each other, to love the bond that we share in Jesus Christ? God, will you help us to partner in the gospel together? Remind us to pray for this church family. If you don't know where to start, pray for the person whose hand you are currently holding. Father, we are your family, we are your body. In 2023, God, will you just grow us into this robust body of Christ a hope to the hopeless, a light to those trapped in darkness to see those who are unseen. Help us to carry the hope of Christ with pride and with joy in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys, thank you.